Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And that's what this series, this hopscotch series is about. We've, we've taken, honestly, a very serious subject, a very stuff, some stuff that's very hard to address and to deal with and to try to put it in a little light-hearted scenario like a kid's game of hopscotch because there are some things we simply we need to get over. And there are some things that just keep tripping us up as we bounce into these different issues in life. They keep holding us back. So as you've got your Bible at open, you've got your, your, your old school bulletin that you grabbed on the way in, that we've been looking at this idea and this truth that, that in Christ, nothing should hold us back in our growth to know God better and to trust Him more. And it, it's time to get over some of the stuff that tries to hold us back. And part of the reason that this stuff tries to hold us back is because it looks like it's unsurmountable. We can't deal with it. It's just too big. It's right in the middle of our path. We just can't get over it. It's just too big. And this, uh, this last week, um, this last Thursday, I got the privilege of getting to speak to our young adults. We got any young adults in the house? Man, I tell you what, there's, um, I love what happens in this space every Sunday, but there's amazing stuff that happens in the space across the hall. Right now with our kids' church, with our youth ministry, with our young adults, and man, things are really, really rocking and rolling on those fronts, and I got to go and to share it, and I used uh, this to kind of intro this concept, um, and, I, and I think it'll work with you guys as well, because there's, there's last week... Uh, in Colorado, there was a sheriff's uh, department that uh, put out this tweet, and it kind of went viral, and I think you'll see why. And so they put out this tweet about this rock that fell into the road. And it says, a large boulder, the size of a small boulder, is completely blocking the eastbound lane Highway 145, mile, mile marker 78 at Silver Pick Road. Please use caution and watch for emergency vehicles in the area. And so when everybody is cracking up because it's this large boulder the size of a small boulder. And so there's lots of different people who have just kind of made fun of that and, and, and just how, how difficult that was. Somebody decided that we, they needed to actually give the boulder a name and it ought to be called Biggie Smalls. And so... <laughs> You know, that it just didn't quite know what to do with it. And, and as I ran across that, um, you know, I pointed it out to my son, Weston, and we were laughing about, you know, the big, large boulder the size of a small boulder. And then I got to thinking about it, that there's actually, there's actually this place of truth in it. Because sometimes there's things that immediately we think, man, I've, this, is a, this is an issue. And it's almost like as he was typing out the tweet, a large boulder... And he reassesses it the size of a, well, a small boulder is blocking the highway. And some of these things, we don't want to address them because our first glance, it's, it's huge. But if we'll go ahead and just begin to address some of these issues, we'll see. Maybe it's not a large boulder. Maybe it's a small boulder. We keep looking at it. Maybe it's, maybe it's actually just kind of a rock. Maybe it's a speed bump. Maybe this is something in faith I can just step over and I can just put behind me. 
And so many times if we will just go ahead and address it, we'll just go ahead and see what the scriptures have to say about it, we'll just go ahead and look at it, then even in the middle of our assessment, the Holy Spirit can begin to work on us and it starts out large and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as we go and finally we get it behind us. And I tell you what, what we're going to deal with today is one of the large boulders. That when we really begin to put it in perspective of what God has done for our lives. Yeah, it's a boulder, but it's a small boulder. And it's something that God will equip us to be able to deal with. Because today we're going to be looking at getting over hurt. Getting over hurt. It grieves me that so many of you carry active hurt in your life. Some of it's fresh. Some of it was this week. Some of it was maybe this morning. But the, the hurts that are the large boulders, they weren't necessarily this week's hurt. Although some of them may be. But a lot of those are these hurts that happened a year ago, two years ago. Some of you, it's a decade ago. Some of you, it was childhood. And it goes all the way back to those moments. And, and what I'm here to say is we're not going to minimize that, but we are going to invite the Holy Spirit to begin to do what the, only the Holy Spirit can do. And that's begin to take those large boulders and begin to push those things away. You know what? He, this ain't going to be the first stone he's ever rolled away. All right? He, he's in the roll away stone kind of business. And so we're going to get this done. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 37. It says, Knowing all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither <clears throat> the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor either height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Nothing should be able to hold us back. Nothing should be able to be a barrier that gets in the way of us growing in the love that God has for us. And nothing should. But there are things that come in through lies and through us not wanting to address it. Begin to come in and they actually begin to hold us back. And as a child of God, you should let nothing stop you from living the full life that is ours in Christ Jesus. Not even the hurt of others. Colossians Chapter 3, verse 13 says, bear with each other. Bear with each other. Another one translation says, put up with each other. Sometimes that's where we start. We start with putting up with. We know we're called to love, but sometimes we just got to decide, I'm just going to put up with you. Long enough to let some love begin to try to come about. But bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have. The scriptures recognize that grievances happen. Things that grieve you. Things that rock you to the core. These aren't annoyances. These aren't inconveniences. These are grievances. These are things where you feel completely and utterly uh, attacked, violated, com completely taken advantage of. You, it makes you grieved in your heart of hearts. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It has to begin there in that moment. Recognizing that the large boulder was really the offense we were to God. 
In fact, the scriptures let us know that it was insurmountable. In and of ourselves, that one was insurmountable, but God was in Christ forgiving us. And if he can move that one out of the way, then these that are between you and I, between each other, we can begin to let God process us. But we've got to let a new kind of response enter in. If you've been at Celebration Church for a little while, um, you can tell this story with me. Um, and so I've used this a lot. It's one of my favorite stories on this. On this. Um, but uh, years ago when we were, uh, in fact, um, 11 years ago when we were uh, in the early stages of Celebration Church, uh, we'd not fully launched yet. And, and uh, Carson uh, was um, about five, oh, maybe six years old, so our 16-year-old. And uh, we were there in the kitchen, and the boys had Nerf swords, because boys are going to hit one another, so you might as well give them something softish to hit one another with, because it's just going to happen. And so uh, they had Nerf swords, and so they would play, and I grabbed one of the Nerf swords, and Carson's walking through the kitchen and playing, and I take it, and I just, I just swing too hard. My wife says I'm too, I'm too hard with things, and, and so and I did. I just, I just whacked him. And it stung, and it made him cry. And so, um, and I just felt terrible. We were playing. I was just having fun. And here I am in the middle of this deal. I make my six-year-old cry and, and, and with this Nerf sword. So I take the Nerf sword, and I turn around. I said, Carson, I'm so sorry, buddy. And I put the sword in his hands, and i like, Carson, all right, just go ahead. Just go ahead and hit me. Go ahead. And then I brace myself for a hit from a six-year-old with a nerf sword. But I'm ready. All right, Carson, come on. I was like, bring it. And I'm ready like an idiot. And, uh, and so he's holding the sword of justice in his hand. Full, without immunity, rare back, put all 51 pounds of six-year-old self he had into that and just tear into me. Just hit me as hard as he could. It was a green light. Get it done. And he's sitting there and he's holding that sword in his hand. And he looks at me, still, cheeks still wet with the tears of my fence. Cheeks still wet with the tears of my fence. And he puts the sword down. And he says, this is what I'm bringing. And he comes up. And he gives me a big old hug. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Lord, yes, yes. Yes, that's the only way, because here's the truth. Here's the truth, is that little six-year-old boy could not hit me hard enough in his mind to begin to bring justice to what a six-foot-two, 200-pound man was able to bring to him. It just was not, it was the scales would never be balanced. And he forever destroyed the scales of justice by simply refusing That vengeance was not going to be that, and he was going to bring love and forgiveness into the middle of it. That was really the only thing that was going to fix it. That was really the only thing that was going to be able to fix it was a place of forgiveness. Even if all of a sudden he was clear, it was green-lighted, he made the decision. He made the decision. Folks, that is the place where we have to, we recognize God was in that spot. God chose, and that's what so many people, some of you may have walked into church today a little freaked out. God, I know you see everything, and that creeps me out a little bit. I'm coming to church anyways, and I really think he might smack me. He's not here to smack you. 
He's not here to smack you. That is the whole cross. God said, this is what I'm bringing. That is the point of the cross. He says, this is what I'm bringing. All we brought was insult. All we brought was attack to God. All we brought was we didn't care. And he brought forgiveness. And has demonstrated for us how to respond to it. Do we forget that they, that they were cursing at him up on the cross? That they taunted him? That they beat him, spit on him? Said, oh, if you're so awesome, come on off of there. The whole time. And he is just saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's demonstrating them. And they would have said, oh, we know what we're doing. We're making fun of a fake Messiah. He's like, oh, I'm, 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 paying, for your, I'm paying for that remark right now. I'm settling it right now. That's not being held against you right now. And that is where it begins. Matthew 6, 12 says, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And there's a place where we've got to begin. We're called to walk in a place of response of forgiveness as well. And so what I want to do is before we move on with this, is we hit the wall, we hit the roadblock of stepping towards forgiveness and letting this hurt get behind us because we've muddled up what forgiveness is and we, we've kind of done this thing like lawmakers do with pork barrel legislation and they throw all this extra stuff in and then nobody really wants to, to, to mess with it and get the good stuff done. And, and so we, we think that there's all this extra stuff that's in there. So right off the bat, before we move forward, I want us to make sure that we understand what forgiveness is not. And forgiveness is not saying that you condone the thing that hurts you. See, the little first grade thing of on the playground and, and your little friend hurt you and, and then they come up and they say, I'm sorry. And the first graders say, it's okay. I forgive you. And from a real early on, we begin to put in ourselves this thing that the first thing I have to say before I can forgive is to somehow say, it's okay. That I understand what your motive, you, we didn't, I, I, it's okay. And that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not saying that you condone it. That is not it. So let's take that out of the picture. We're not saying that it wasn't a grievance. That it didn't make you grieve. Forgiveness is saying, you know what? I I value moving forward. I value the relationship. I'm putting putting the sword of justice aside of me wielding the justice. And I'm putting that aside. The next thing it's not saying is that. Yet you automatically trust again. Trust the person. And make yourself vulnerable again. Well, like if I forgive, then I'm going to be vulnerable to this person again. No, that's not what forgiveness is saying at all. Forgiveness is not saying it's a little reset. And now all of a sudden I can be put right back in the same situation and give them the exact same ability to hurt me again. See, what I love is that Carson did not take the, the nerf sword and stick it right back in my hand. Carson took the Nerf sword and he put it aside. He was not putting himself to, to give me the hug and the forgiveness. Putting himself in a vulnerable place again. He was wise enough to not do that. He didn't put himself in a vulnerable place. Wisdom can say, you know what? We need to see some maturing. Looking for some maturing for some stuff in the, in the offended person. The person who brought the offense. That's just wise. But we don't wait for the maturing to decide to dole out forgiveness. Forgiveness actually empowers that person to step into some maturity. 
to step into it. So we're not going to say that all of a sudden it makes us vulnerable again. That is not what forgiveness is saying. And then it's not saying that everything is back to normal. It's not what it's saying. It's not saying everything's back to normal. If somebody is apologizing to you simply to just say, let's just put it all back the way it was and, and let's get behind it. They don't understand the grievance. And guess what? They don't have to understand the grievance for you to forgive. But there's a place where people will try to use apologies at a point of manipulation. And I'm not saying you have to be vulnerable to somebody's manipulative apology and step into a point of agreement. You can see what they're doing and still operate on a divine place of wisdom and understand what's happening there and have a place of forgiveness in your heart. But you have not made yourself where all of a sudden everything is back to normal again. That is not what forgiveness is. So as we step into forgiveness, as we understand this, that first off, it is based on grace. Grace is what teaches us to forgive. We covered this passage last week and want to come back to it again this week. That Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright lives, godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. The greatest good is a place of forgiveness. Forgiveness is so amazing. And so if we have to step into a place of forgiveness, we're going, that's going beyond human and stepping into divine. God alone was the one that was able to fix it. When there was forgiveness needed to happen between us and God, God was the one that had to do it. God was the one. It is something that is divine. It is something that is extra human and whenever we understand we're not downplaying an offense to forgive we're actually saying this is such a big deal we're going to have to get God involved it doesn't make the offense less it actually makes the offense what it is like we've got to get God level love involved in this thing and forgiveness it is the highest good the truth is, is how can we love our neighbor as ourselves, which everything rides on this, if we haven't forgiven, if we haven't forgiven our neighbor? And here's that thing is we're all like, well, okay, well, my goodness, Pastor, right? But the, there's got to be a limit. There's got to be a limit to this. Well, Peter asked the same question. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? He thought he was really, really knocking it out of the park with the seven times. You won't find it in the scriptures, but rabbinical teaching of the day was that you would forgive the person of the same offense three times. You forgive them, and then they do the same thing. You forgive them, you do the same thing. You've forgiven them a third time. After that, it's like, I'm done with you. And that was, that, was a, that was a hard thing for them to live out. So here Peter, he's talking to Mr. Lovey-Dovey Jesus. So he's like, Jesus is bound to like just take it up a whole nother notch. So, you know, everybody else says three times. I'll probably say seven. So 
maybe seven times. Now remember, this is Peter who in the, in the garden pulls out the sword and lops the ear off. But what he's wanting to know is like, what do I have to count to before I get to draw this sucker? All right, that's it. What's one, buddy? It's coming. I can feel the steel warming up. That's two. He wants to know what's the number. Says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And here he begins to frame it. Who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began the set, and as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he'd had should be sold to repay the debt. And the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. And we're going to pause right there. 10,000 talents doesn't mean anything to us in 2020 in San Angelo, Texas. Okay? That doesn't mean anything to me. But to Jesus' audience, who he was talking to, this was like saying a gajillion dollars. Okay? Now, a talent was about one household income. Okay? That's a lot of money for an entire year. Household income for an entire year. Okay? So this is 10,000 talents. Now, to, to put this in perspective, King Herod, the guy who, who under Jesus' rule, that, that this was, who was ruling there at uh, the time of Jesus, his annual income was 900 talents a year. So this is a 10,000 talents. So it's 11 years of a king's income that is being forgiven. This is a mind-blowing amount of money to the workaday audience that Jesus is talking to. Mind-blowing. Unpayable. And that was the whole point. That this was amount that was unpayable. No shape, form, or fashion at all. And it was forgiven. But the story doesn't end there. What a beautiful thing. An unforgivable debt forgiven. An unpayable debt forgiven. In verse 28 it says, But then that servant walks away from having this mind-blowing amount of debt taken off of his back, that servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I love, love, love that Jesus does not make this in this parable some tiny little nothing debt. He doesn't say it's two mites, just like pennies. He says a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wages for a worker, okay? So this is a hundred days of labor. This isn't a small amount. Any of us, if somebody owed us a hundred days of work money, we would say that was, a, that was a significant debt. Three and a half months wages, we would say that was a significant debt, but not an unpayable debt. It's not unpayable. It's something that they could, you could begin to work it off. But it wasn't nothing to sneeze at. And so he had this, this uh, 100 denarii. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. 
and say, pay back what you owe me. Now the guy is free and clear. He's not even like trying to squeeze it out to try to throw something at the, at the, at the huge daddy owed. No, he's, he's clear. He's just, he's just being greedy on this deal. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him and says the same thing. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. And, and then the master called in the servant and said, You wicked servant! said, I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? Here he is. It's, yes, this was a serious thing. The scriptures say, when Peter's wanting to know, where's my limit of forgiveness? Jesus tells this story to him to kind of frame things. Guess what? The grievances that we have against one another aren't trivial. The places where we have to forgive one another are not trivial. I love it that the scriptures say that. But the, in, in the way we've connected with God, it is so much. God has forgiven us so much more. So much more that if we'll just let that forgiveness flow through us, that we can even begin to operate in a place of forgiveness on the serious stuff that we have with one another. See, forgiveness is choosing to pay forward the love we have received. Being able to step into the grace is record starts, it begins when we recognize the grace we have received, when we begin to pass that on. Romans 13.8 says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Forgiveness is choosing to let God move the relationship forward. To let God begin to be the one that does it. Romans 12.18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The scriptures recognize that not everybody's going to be at peace back with you. Not everybody's going to be at peace back with you. People, you're, the haters are going to hate. It's going to happen. There are people who are not going to understand. There are people who are going to run their mouths. There are people who are going to do stuff. And the scriptures say, understand that that happens. But it says, as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with one another. That is we're called to. Because otherwise we enter into this vicious cycle. Where it says, you know what? I saw somebody put out a, uh, a, a, a little meme that says, I match energies. So you decide how we're going to respond to one another. Um, okay, it's funny. I, but it's, all of a sudden now that puts you at the vulnerability of the other person. If the other person's nice, well, then you're nice. If the other person is a jerk and gets intense, well, you're a jerk and intense. You've just made them your master. You just made them your master. They're your Lord. You want to know who your Lord is? It's them. If Jesus is our Lord, we're going to live at peace with everybody as far as it depends on you. If other people are your master, well, then you let them dictate how you're going to respond. We're called to live differently we're called to live differently forgiveness is choosing to live free choosing to live free from this day forward in Galatians 5 1 
said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Forgiveness, freedom, that place of unforgiveness, it will begin to come in and it will be tr- begin to try to be a yoke of slavery in our lives all over again. Folks, God has called us to live free. And I get it. These places of hurt, they can loom large. But if we will let God begin to work in our lives, he can let us begin to walk free of those hurts and walk in a place of forgiveness. See, he forgave us. So now we can freely give. So our bottom line today is forgiveness is forgiving. It's forgiving away. It's not for waiting until somebody's earned it, not to wait until somebody's proved they're worthy of it. It's just forgiving. It's forgiving away. That is what we've called, we're called to do. See, when we pass on the grace and the forgiveness that we have in Christ, then we can really get over, over one of life's biggest hurdles. And my, my prayer for you is that the, the, the offense of someone else doesn't hold you back from the goodness that God has for you. But as long as you keep them empowered with that, it does. It'll keep you shackled to it. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.